thanks for your generosity. We really appreciate it. Okay, we are continuing on in the book of Exodus. So we have been studying Exodus over the last few months. We have been just kind of going through the book, looking at all the different parts of the story of God delivering the people out of Egypt. And um, we're going to keep going today. Now, when I shared a few weeks ago, I told that you all that Moses has become a really important character in my life over the last year. So when COVID hit and everything was so difficult and there were all these decisions that we had to make and I was just praying one day like, Lord, this is really hard to figure out how to make decisions and lead during this time when it's just, there's so many different variables and Lord, I just need some wisdom and guidance moving forward. And I felt the Lord speak to my heart to study the life of Moses as a leader, to study the leadership of Moses. Because if you look at the story, Moses was leading a large group of people. Many had different opinions about things. They were afraid. They were in life and death situations. That Everything was heightened. Um, things went on and on and on and on and on. And so um, I spent the last year just studying Moses and studying not just his life, but how he led the people in this series of events and over time. And so um, I shared a couple of different times about uh, some of those lessons that I learned. And today I want to share another lesson on the leadership life of Moses. And this lesson is vital if you want to remain healthy and vital and strong as a leader, as a person. Now, leaders, sometimes we can think that that means only in a business context, but really we're all leading something, right? You're leading your families, you're leading at your work, you're leading in your neighborhoods, you're leading in your relationships. And so this lesson in particular is vital if you want to remain healthy. This lesson is vital if you want to have resilience and longevity. If you don't want to flame out, <laughs> this is an important lesson that you learn. And this lesson is vital if you want to be a humble leader that can receive feedback and avoid blind spots in your life. And so the leadership lesson that, about, that I want to talk about today is you must have an inner circle. You must have an inner circle of people in your life. We're going to look at the life of Moses today and see that even though he had this extraordinary relationship with God, that he spoke face to face with the Lord, even though he was able to do miraculous signs and wonders, even though he had extraordinary abilities and talents, God strategically and purposefully brought an inner circle of people around him. And those people were foundational to what he was able to do for the kingdom of God. Moses was responsible to thousands of people, and yet there was a small handful of people that we can see that were close to him. He had a personal relationship with them that spanned time, and they were his sounding board, they were his support system, they were his challengers, and they were his inspiration. And today I want to talk to you about your inner circle. With all you have going on in your life, who is supporting you? Who has a voice in your life to challenge you? Who can come to you and say, hey, let's talk about this thing I see in you? Who has that right in your life? Who is your sounding board that you know will give you godly wisdom and counsel, even if it's not what you want to hear? Who's that person in your life that can speak truth to you? Who is in your life that is inspiring you and pushing you to step out of your comfort zone? Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 is a passage of scripture that tells us the importance of relationships in our life. It says two are better off than one 
for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm, but how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. If there's anything we learned about the last year, we have learned the effects of isolation, haven't we? We've learned the effects of isolation. I was thinking about a friend of mine, uh, Susie Larson, who's a speaker. She, she said God gave her a picture over the season of how the enemy loves to isolate us. Because when we're isolated, it's easy to just pick us off one by one. It's easy to just, when we're off and we don't have accountability, we don't have a circle, we don't have support, we don't have people with us, it's just real easy for him to go and just start whispering lies, to isolate, and just start picking us off one by one. But when we gather together and we're in rank and we link arms together and we have a circle of people around us, we're not as easily picked off because he's got to go through all of us, right? And so she was saying how important it is to not be isolated, but to let there be people in our lives. When we don't have that inner circle of people who are surrounding us, challenging us, pushing us, it can be very easy to get stuck. And I think it's very telling to look at the life of Moses and see right away that one of the first thing God does in establishing his leaderships, leadership is to establish an inner circle of mentors, advisors, friends, peers, and protégés. So today I want to look at three people who made up Moses' inner circle. I want us to look at how each of them were different and unique and brought a different value to Moses' life and perspective. I want us to see that each of them possessed a gift and perspective that Moses needed in order to make him a more godly leader. And I want us to take an honest look at our own life and who our inner circle is and make a purposeful decision to create a circle around us that'll help us grow closer to God and others. So the first person that we see God put into Moses' life is Aaron. In Aaron. Exodus chapter 4, Moses is at the burning bush and he's arguing with the Lord as to why he cannot possibly do what God is asking of him. God is saying, Moses, I have a job for you. I want you to do this. I want you to lead the people out of Israel. And Moses is just arguing and arguing and arguing. And finally, in verse 14, we see this. The Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well, and look, he's on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece, and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. So God brought Aaron into Moses's inner circle. He was someone who could help Moses in areas where he was weak. He was someone who was a friend and a brother and a peer. So if we were to look at a circle, he's right off to the side. He is that co-partner. He's a friend. Now, can you imagine the relief that Moses felt in this moment? God is challenging him to do something, and everything that he says, Moses feels more and more inadequate. He feels more and more like, I can't do that. I can't do that either. Oh, I don't want to talk to the people. And, and it just keeps getting ramped up and ramped up, and his insecurity is coming out, and he's getting more and more overwhelmed. And then finally the Lord says, okay, hold on. I'm going to send you Aaron. 
Aaron's going to come help you. Have you ever had that moment where you're like, someone's coming to help me? <laughs> Great, right? Have you ever had that moment where you're like, thank you, Lord, for sending me somebody? I can only imagine the relief when God says, Aaron is going to help you. What an extraordinary gift. When we started Homestead uh, six years ago, um, probably seven or seven and a half or eight years ago, we were just talking about the idea of planting a church, and we really hadn't told anybody. Jeff and I had kind of been talking about it, praying about it. We had told our parents, but really nobody else knew that we were kind of praying about this idea of planting a church. And when Jeff and I would talk about it, we would say, well, I feel really okay about, like, the church part, but what about the what we call the grown-up stuff. Like, who is going to keep us out of jail stuff? Like, who is going to pay the bills? Who is going to get it all set? I mean, there's a lot of logistics in starting a church. Like, you know, you got to register things, and I don't even know what they are to even give you examples because it was all so over our head. And we were just like, Lord, I don't know if you're asking us to do this or not. And I got a call one day from my friend Debbie Lanier. Now, many of you know Debbie because she's a part of our church now, but at this time, she was going to a different church, and Debbie and I had worked together on a couple different projects, and she called me and said, can we go to breakfast? So we went to breakfast, and we sat down, and she said, well, I've been praying. I'm supposed to help you with something. And I went, hmm, okay. And I'm thinking, well, nobody knows what's going on. So I said, well, maybe it's, is it this? Because I was doing some girls' ministry stuff. And I said, is it this? And she goes, no, that's not it. And I'm like, do you want to come clean my house? Like, what are we talking here? Like, no, that's not it. And finally I thought, you know what, I'm just going to just going to say it. I said, Debbie, Jeff and I have been praying about planting a church. And she went, that's it. That's it. What do you need? And from that day on, Debbie Lanier did every single grown-up stuff thing around here until about a year ago. And now Megan does all the grown-up stuff. And I cannot tell you what a blessing it was that when God called us to something and we felt so inadequate that he brought somebody in to shore up the places where we felt the weakest. It was such a gift. She was our Aaron as we started this church. God will bring you someone into your life. So let me ask you, who's your Aaron? Who is your Aaron? Who is walking alongside of you in life? Who is that peer, your friend, the person to the right or to the left that you are just going through this thing together? That friend whose strengths might be different from yours but they bring such value to your life because they might see things differently. They bring a different aspect. Who is that peer that makes you feel like you're not alone? Maybe it's, you know, a young mom and you go to that mom's group play date and you all sit around and talk about how long it's been since you've actually slept all night. There is so much value in being like, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. What are you doing with that? Maybe it's couples who are in the same season of life of you that, uh, that you can just talk through what's going on in your family and with other kids. We all need errands in our lives. The errands strengthen us for the journey. The errands are our companions. The errands are our support. Now I realize for a lot of people, you are thinking, I wish I had an errand. I wish I had a friend like that. I wish I had someone. And let me tell you, something I know to be true. As seasons of life have changed, there have been many times when I have prayed for the Lord to bring me an errand. And sometimes it's been, Lord, I just really need a friend. I need a friend that understands what I'm going through, that maybe has been through this. Could you just bring me somebody to come alongside of me? 
And every time the Lord has brought someone into my life to walk alongside of me, whether it was a friend that could just walk with me, whether it was a partner in ministry who would shore up the places I was weak, whether it was a couple who became a refreshing outlet for Jeff and I that we could just be together and, and laugh and have fun, the Lord has always brought me an errand when I needed an errand. And you know what? We see this in Scripture. If you look at Exodus chapter 4 in verse 27 and 28, it says, Now the Lord had said to Aaron, Go out in the wilderness and meet Moses. So Aaron went and met Moses at the mountain of God, and he embraced him. Moses then told Aaron everything the Lord had commanded him to say, and he told him about the miraculous signs the Lord had commanded him to perform. As God was speaking to Moses about providing support to him, God was also speaking to Aaron, saying, get up, walk into the wilderness, because your brother needs you. If you need an Aaron in your life, pray and ask God to bring him to you. And if God is speaking to you about becoming an Aaron to someone, you need to get up and go find them. You need to do it, right? Because many times we pray, God, I need a friend. But we never take the next steps when the Lord brings someone into our life to develop a friendship or to spend time with them or to invest in that relationship. The truth is you're not going to make friends sitting home alone. It's not going to happen. You might need to reach out and ask someone to go to coffee. You might need to show up to kickball and just meet somebody. Let me preface this. I am not playing kickball. I'm a really good cheerleader on the side. My kickball days are far from over. I, I don't know that I ever had kickball days. Let me rephrase that. Maybe you need to sign up for one of those things and go and meet people. Aaron had to walk out to where Moses was in order to be there. And you might need to take a step. You might need to join that group or that Bible study so you can meet people who will walk along with you in that journey. We all need errands in our lives, so take a step to cultivate those relationships in your life. So the first person in Moses' inner circle is Aaron. The second person God gives Moses is Jethro. Now Jethro was Moses' father-in-law. When Moses had fled Egypt and went to live in the land of Midian, he encountered Jethro's daughters at a well where he defended them. And so when Jethro heard about it, he invited Moses into their home. And eventually Moses marries his daughter, whose name was Zipporah. And we see the relationship between Jethro and Moses play out all throughout Exodus. In Exodus 4.18, we see that after Moses encounters God at the burning bush, the first thing he does is return home and talk to Jethro about what just happened and ask for his permission to take his family back to Egypt. We see this honor and respect that Moses has for Jethro in the fact that he seeks his approval. He tells him what God is doing and asks for his wisdom and advice and approval before he leaves. Then the mo we see the most significant interaction between these two men in Exodus chapter 18. Now, things had gotten rough in Egypt during the plague, so Moses had made the decision to send his wife and sons back to Midian to live with Jethro, probably to keep them safe during this time. But once the people have escaped Egypt and they're now in the wilderness, Jethro brings Zipporah and Moses' sons back to them. So in verse uh, 5 of Exodus chapter 18, we see this interaction. Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, now came to visit Moses in the wilderness. He brought Moses' wife and two sons with him, and they arrived while Moses and the people were camped near the mountain of God. 
Jethro had sent a message to Moses saying, I, Jethro, your father-in-law, am coming to see you with your wife and two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law. He bowed low and kissed him. They asked about each other's welfare and then went into Moses' tent. Moses told his father-in-law everything the Lord had done to Pharaoh and Egypt on behalf of Israel. He also told all about the hardships they had experienced along the way and how the Lord had rescued his people from all their troubles. Jethro was delighted when he heard about all the good things the Lord had done for Israel as he rescued them from the hand of the Egyptians. Moses and Jethro have this really sweet relationship that's different than the one he had with Aaron. This is a mentorship relationship. This is a fathering kind of relationship. Moses has a respect and honor for this man. This man is not his peer. This man is his elder. And we see Moses' honor and, and craving for his wisdom and insight in his life. Now, we see the extent of this relationship as the chapter goes on, and Jethro observes how Moses is leading the people. Verse 13 says, The next day Moses took his seat to hear the people dispute against each other. They waited before him from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he asked, What are you really accomplishing here? Why are you trying to do all this alone while everyone stands around you from morning till evening? Moses replied, because the people come to me to get a ruling from God. When a dispute arises, they come to me, and I am the one who settles the case between the quarreling parties. I inform the people of God's decrees, and I give them instructions. This is not good, Moses' father-in-law exclaimed. You are going to wear yourself out, and the people too. This job is too heavy a burden for you to handle all by yourself. And then he proceeds to tell Moses some new ways for him to lead the people. I want you to appoint some leaders and divide them into groups so that you aren't the only one hearing the complaints of the people. Skip down to verse 24. Moses listened to his father-in-law's advice and followed his suggestions. He chose capable men from all over Israel and appointed them as leaders over the people. He put them in charge of groups of 1,150 and 10. These men were always available to solve the people's common disputes. They brought the major cases to Moses, but they took care of the smaller matters themselves. Soon after this, Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law, who returned to his own land. So we see Jethro watching this situation going, Moses, hold on, hold on. What's happening here? He gives him some wisdom, direction, advice, insight that helped shape how Moses was leading the people. First thing he did was he asked questions as he, when he saw how Moses was leading. In verse 14, he's like, Moses, what are you doing here? What are you trying to accomplish here? What's happening? And then in verse 18, we see that he showed wisdom in protecting and caring for Moses as a person. As a person, not as a leader. Notice the, he says, you're going to wear yourself out. This job is too big. You've taken on too much. Notice the, notice the fatherly perspective here. Jethro's advice wasn't based on, hey, Moses, I think you could be more productive if you do this or this or this. It wasn't, a, oh, this is great. Here's how you make yourself even more indispensable, Moses. It was, Moses, this is not going to do well for you long term. You're going to wear yourself out. Moses, I'm looking out for you as a person. And then he gave him some really practical, wise advice. 
we can see how Jethro's relationship with Moses was unique in that he was a wise elder and counselor to Moses. He was showing concern for his health and well-being. Moses, how are you doing here? He speaks wisdom into his life from someone who's lived longer than he has and who has some unique insight and perspective. So who is the Jethro in your life? Who is that person speaking wisdom and insight to you? Now, maybe it is your father. Today, as we're celebrating Father's Day, it's definitely my father fits that role in my life. For every conversation that I'll have with people about, here's what I'm doing, here's what we're accomplishing, here's what we're doing, this and that. My dad is always the one that calls me and says, Christy, how are you? Are you doing too much? Do you think you need a break? Do you need any money? Do you need anything else? I know I'm 47 and he still has, can you pay your bills? Yes, dad, we'll pay my bills. Yes, it's fine. But he's always saying, how are you? How are you? Who is that person in your life? He is that sounding board in my life that I need before I make a decision. Because I know he's going to have wisdom and insight more than just because I like to be like, I have the best idea and I'm going to do this and this and this. And he'll go, I think it might be too much. I think you need to take care of yourself. He always has that perspective that I need. Jeff and I both have been blessed by fathers who are very wise and discerning and have fit that Jethro role in our lives. But I know that that's not everyone's story. But this is the really cool thing about the body of Christ. The Lord will bring a Jethro into your life that you might not be physically related to. That's the beautiful thing about the kingdom of God. There are so many other people who have fit this role in my life, who have mentored me and spoken to my life, and they have no legal obligation to be there whatsoever. Some of them were older than me, and some of them were just smarter than me or had had more experience than me, but they brought this unique authority and care into my life that was so desperately needed. And if you needed Jethro... I believe God is going to bring you a Jethro. If you're so craving that spiritual mentorship in your life, I believe God would send, will send that person to you. And also, if God is calling you to be a Jethro for someone, show up for that. Show up for that. Maybe you meet someone and you can tell that they could just use someone checking in on them, asking how they're doing, making sure they're doing okay, giving them wisdom and direction. This is what I love about church, and this is what I love in particular about our church, because we really try very hard to be a church that is filled with all ages. Because being in generational ministry together is so important. We all need to learn from each other. A couple years ago, we did a, a Bible study on Wednesday night for men and teenage boys. It was one of my favorite things that we've ever done. So they would have a little time where they would do a devotion together. And then the, the men would teach the teenage boys like a life skill. So I remember I'm teaching them how to change a flat tire, how to give a solid handshake. I think one time they worked on uh, tying ties, and it was just so great to see the men in our church interacting with the teenagers. I think at one point Jeff wanted to have them have to practice asking out a girl, but I think that got vetoed. <laughs> I think he's like, wouldn't that be great if we made him practice? And I'm like, I don't know. That feels maybe a little could be embarrassing. So we did not do that one. But the idea of 
listen, let's spend some time investing in young people. Let's spend some time investing one generation to another generation. And here at Homestead, we work really hard to provide ways that you all interact together. And so this is important that you are thinking about that. Is there someone that I need to show up for as a Jethro? Maybe there's someone you know who's going through something you have already walked through. You might need to show up for them as a Jethro. When you show up to that mom's group or coffee or Bible study, it might be that the Lord has something to speak to you, but it is just as likely that the Lord has someone there that needs your voice in their life. So show up for this. So the Lord gave Moses an Aaron, he gave him a Jethro, and finally the Lord gave Moses a Joshua. The first time we see Joshua mentioned in the Bible is in Joshua 17 when the Israelites are going out to fight the Amalekites. Joshua is commanded by Moses to lead the army into battle. And from this moment on, we see Joshua become Moses' trusted assistant who would eventually become his successor. He would be the one to carry on the work of Moses. Now, you can read the entire book of Joshua to learn about his extraordinary leadership in helping the people enter the promised land. Joshua was a phenomenal leader. Joshua had phenomenal faith. But have you ever wondered how Joshua became such a great leader? How did Joshua get that way? Well, we can see all throughout the books of Exodus and Numbers and Deuteronomy that Joshua was mentored by Moses. Scholars believe that Joshua would have been around 40 years old when they left Egypt. And Moses was probably about 80 years old at the time. So this was someone half his age. So if I was going to mentor someone half my age, they'd be like, I don't know, 15, maybe, something like that. <laughs> okay, maybe not. <laughs> but he was half his age. So this wasn't a peer. This wasn't an elder. This was someone coming behind him that Moses invested in and helped him to become the next leader of the people. Now, here are just a few places where we see Joshua gleaning the wisdom, experience, and spirituality of Moses. First, Joshua is there for all of it at the beginning. He's there for the plagues. He's there for the parting of the Red Sea, the manna, and the quail. So he has experienced firsthand the power of God moving through Moses. Then in Exodus chapter 24, when Moses goes up to Mount Sinai to give Moses the Ten Commandments, we see that Aaron and other leaders are allowed to go up to a certain part of the mountain. But then verse 13 says, but Moses and his assistant Joshua continued up the mountain. So Joshua had closer proximity to that moment than anyone else. And then in Exodus 32, when they're coming back down off the mountain, and it's discovered that the people have created a golden calf while they were gone, Joshua gets a front row seat into Moses dealing with the sin and disobedience of the people. Actually, Moses already knew what was going on because the Lord reveals to him, yeah, those people down there, you better get back down there. They're making a big mess. But we hear Joshua walking down going, There's some, can you hear that sound? There's something going on in the camp. And then Moses is right by his side. Or Joshua is right by Moses' side as Moses has to confront the people during this season. 
Then after that sinful encounter of the people, Moses begins regularly meeting with the Lord at the tent of meeting. Exodus 33 tells us that this was a somber and repentant time for the people. And so Moses would leave the camp and he would walk towards the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. And the people would come out and stand at the doors of their tent because they knew that they had done wrong. And as Moses would enter the tabernacle, a cloud of the presence of God would fall on it. And it says the people would bow on their faces in the, uh, at their tent doors and just wait while Moses pleaded with the Lord on their behalf. But it also says that after Moses would lead those, leave the tabernacle, that Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind at the tabernacle and the tent of meeting. So we even watch Joshua, watch Moses interact with the Lord, watch him pray, watch him seek God. Listen, he's right there watching all of this. I cannot help but think that every single one of these interactions was going deep into the heart of Joshua. And he was learning what it meant to speak to the Lord, to get instruction from the Lord, to be in his presence. And lastly, one of my favorite moments of mentoring between Moses and Joshua happens in Numbers chapter 11. This is later on in Moses' life, and he has just about had enough of these people. He's just about had enough of all their whining. And so the Lord allowed him to appoint elders to help oversee the spiritual life of the Israelites. So Moses gathers 70 leaders to the outskirts of town, and they all gather around the temple, and Moses lays his hands on them, and God took some of the spirit that was in Moses, and he gave it to these 70 men, and they began to prophesy. But two men, Eldad and Medad, have stayed behind in the camp. They have been listed as elders, but they're missing at the meeting, and they're missing at the ceremony. And here's what happens in Numbers 11:26. Two men, Eldad and Medad, have stayed behind in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but they have not gone out to the tabernacle. Yet the Spirit rested upon them as well. So they prophesied there in the camp. A young man ran out and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' assistant since his youth, protested, Moses, my master, make them stop. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. Then Moses returned to the camp with the elders of Israel. My study Bible said this about this interaction. Joshua's zealous protest was prompted by his jealousy in a worthy but immature desire to safeguard his master's status. Moses was humble. He was not threatened by Eldad and Medad's prophecy. Instead, he was magnanimous about sharing the spotlight and happy to learn that God was working through others in such a special way. Moses had leadership qualities that the younger Joshua had not yet acquired. What a huge moment. Moses is teaching Joshua how to be a humble leader, how to be secure in his position, how to put aside his ego in order to prioritize the things of God. How did Joshua become such a great leader? Because Joshua was in the inner circle of Moses. Here's the truth. Your inner circle isn't just about you. Your inner circle is about who is coming behind you. 
Just as God allowed Jethro into Moses' inner circle to care for him, give him wisdom, and to teach him, the Lord also gave Moses a Joshua who was coming behind him to care for, give wisdom to, and teach the ways of the Lord. So who is your Joshua? Who is that person in your life? Who are you investing time and wisdom into? Now, for sure, this is my own children, but there are a lot of people that the Lord has brought into my world that are not related to me, who are Joshua's in my life, starting with our staff here at Homestead. The Maxwells and the Kings and the Stevens, these are couples that aren't just working here, but who are deeply personally connected to us. And Jeff and I feel an incredible responsibility to love them and care for them. You know why? Because they're going to do way more than we could ever imagine. They're the ones that are going to keep going long after we're retired sitting on a beach somewhere. They're going to keep going. And so our job is to invest in them and pour into them, not just a, what can you do for me, but how are you? What do you need? How can I help you? This is important. I feel there are Joshua's who are other young female pastors in my life. When they reach out to me, I always try and make time because they're coming behind me and I want to be able to encourage them. There are other couples who are younger than us that we, we spend time with and just say, hey, you guys are going to be okay. I promise you're going to make it. You will sleep again. The day will come. There's something important for those of us who've gone before to be able to take the time to reach out to those who are in the season behind us and encourage them. I want to show you a picture. This is one of my favorite pictures. This is Darren and Stacy Montgomery in the middle. Darren's one of our elders here at Homestead. Darren and Stacy are for sure errands in Jeff and I's life. They are just always encouraging us, always praying for us. But I was scrolling through Instagram a few weeks ago, and I see this picture pop up. That's my daughter, Lucy, who's 21, and that's her boyfriend, and that's Emma Merricks, and that's her boyfriend. It's the girls and the boyfriends. The Montgomery's just took them out to dinner one night. And I saw this picture, and I just burst into tears. Because look at this couple who love the Lord, are raising their kids in the ways of the Lord, have established careers, they have jobs, they have family, they're married, taking the time to take out two young couples from our church to just spend time with them and to just get to know them better and to just encourage them. This is what the body of Christ is all about. This is what it is all about. We, it isn't just about us. We have to be investing in other people. Your inner circle is not complete if you don't have a Joshua in it. And you can't have a Joshua if you're insecure about your own position because you have to be willing to look ahead and go, you're going to take my job someday. So Brooke Maxwell isn't here today. She has sick kids, but Brooke and Stephen are our youth pastors here, and um, she has been teaching our mom's group for the last three years. Well, before that, mom's group's my thing. I taught for 15 years. I loved it. Missy, you were like in one of the first ones. And it was so much, brought so much joy to my life. And about four or five years ago, I felt the Lord say, you need to start teaching Brooke. She's going to take over that for you. And I was kind of like, oh, well, maybe it'll be a long on-ramp because I really like doing this. And then I went, decided to go back to work full-time three years ago. And that was kind of it. Well, okay. So I called up Brooke and I said, all right, honey. Here you go. It's your turn. You're going to do this. 
And she was nervous. I can't do it. I can't do it. But you know what? I watched over the last three years this young woman excel in teaching, in writing, in loving on our women in our church. She just has taken that, and nothing has brought me more joy than watching her thrive. But you know what? I had to let go of that a little bit because there was some identity of mine wrapped up in that. I love doing it, and yet it was time to say, now it's your turn to do that. This is what the body of Christ is. You have to be secure enough to have Joshua's in your life. And listen, you can't have a Joshua if you're crabby and critical because no one wants to hang around that. <laughs> it's just the reality. But if you truly have a kingdom perspective and responsibility to encourage and spur on the people coming behind you, you will find more joy in that than you can ever imagine. So what does your inner circle look like today? Moses had someone above him who was speaking into his life with wisdom and care. He had someone alongside of him, a friend and companion who he could go through life with. And he had someone coming behind him who was along for the ride so that he could learn how to lead the people and follow the Lord. So who is in your life? Where's the gap in that circle for you today? Are you missing that elder above you? Are you missing that person who's speaking wisdom and instruction into your life? Are you missing that friendship? The people who are in the same season as you, as you, the one who you're really doing life with? Or are you relaxing the relationships with someone coming behind you? I want to encourage you to make this an item of prayer and thought and action. And I have one more thing I want to talk about today. Because it is Father's Day, so guys, you knew I was going to come after you here any moment. Men, sometimes this inner circle piece is harder for you to find. We've been in church ministry a long time, and the women's groups typically have 7,000 women signed up, and the men's groups have five. And I get it. Women, we can get in a circle, and we're talking. We were talking about women's coffee this week. So they were like, we were all crying, and just like, we've never cried at men's coffee. <laughs> just... Never had that happen. No, there's no tears shed so far. <laughs> Hasn't happened. I understand that sometimes it's easy for us to get ourselves in community and we're together. But listen, gentlemen, you need to get yourself in community. You need a circle around you. You need to find people, other men that you can walk alongside with. And you can have accountability and pray for each other and stand together. You need to find, if you don't have that, that Jethro in your life, you need to find, there are, there are wise, seasoned men of God in this church who would love to walk alongside of you as you're navigating your family and life. But you have to step out. You have to step out and do it. So I want to challenge you to maybe take a step to do something towards that. Now I've made it really easy for you. I'm going to be bossy for a second. Sorry, it just happens sometimes. On the app, we created a thing that says men's discipleship. And we're adding, we've got men's coffee happening. We're adding a Monday night men's discipleship group happening every, every other Monday night. And there's going to be other things coming in the fall. But I want to encourage you, if you are not connected to other men, I want you to sign up. I don't even know what all it will entail yet. But you might need to just sign up today as a, as a way to say, you know what? I need to get this in my life. I need to be purposeful about that. 
It might feel really awkward. It might feel like, I don't know what we're going to do. But I want to encourage you. Your inner circle will be vital to the health and longevity of your life. And if you want to finish strong for the kingdom of God, you have got to have people around you that can walk with you. You're too easy to pick off one by one when you're by yourself. Get in community. And the same goes for women. I'm not just picking on the guys today, but I understand sometimes it takes a little more to do that. Get yourself, get your inner circle strong and healthy. Let's bow our heads as we close today. Jesus, I thank you that we can learn so much from your word. It really, truly does have wisdom and insight for every single part of our lives. And I thank you today that we can look at the life of Moses. Not just the fact that he was extraordinarily close to you. Not just the fact that he was used mightily by you. But God, we can look at how you orchestrated his relational life in order for him to stay strong. And so, Lord, today we are asking that you would just help all of us grow in this area. Lord, I pray for those that just really need a friend. I pray that today you would bring someone into their life, God, that would walk alongside of them. Maybe they just need a partner, somebody who can help them with a new endeavor or something they're going through. And I pray, Lord God, that you would just bring people alongside of each other today that could walk through life together. Lord, I pray for those that need a Jethro. I thank you, Lord, for the wisdom the wisdom of people who have gone before us. And Lord, I just pray that we would not take that mantle lightly. I pray you would even now begin to put people together who could walk together and someone could pour wisdom and insight into those relationships. And Lord, I thank you that it's not just about us, but we always need to be looking for who is coming behind us. Who can we speak life into? Who can we train up as we go? Lord, it might be as, as big as training up somebody for a new season of ministry, and it might be as little as just a, a new mom walking alongside, just encouraging as they go. Lord, the body of Christ is one of the most beautiful things you ever created. The fact that you place the lonely in families, that's what scripture tells us, you place the lonely in families. And I thank you that this church is a family. And that the places where our physical, earthly families might have gaps, that we can come alongside and come in and we can help fill those spaces. And that we're all stronger when we link arms together. So I just pray that we would each grow in this area. Thank you for the gift of community and relationships. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Before you go, if you have a prayer need today, we'll have some prayer teams up here. We'd be happy to pray for you. Uh, dads, don't forget to get your coffee card on the way out. Have a great week. God bless.